Hey guys, welcome back. Now, I just want to quickly share with you guys a story that appeared on an Australian mainstream media website in relation to Sino uh, Australian relations, uh, which shocked me to the core in a good way. This is Reports on China. I'm Mandy Borum. Let's get reporting. Hey, you guys, welcome back. Uh, basically, since the meeting last week between Australian Prime Minister Albanese and Chinese President Xi Jinping, we've seen a few uh, little signs that the relationship might be mending, the ice might be thawing, which would obviously be an awesome thing. Now, I want to talk today about a story that appeared on Sky News, uh, which basically, I think, hits the nail directly on the head. So let's bring that up now. This is by a guy uh, called Sherry Safi, and I'll tell you a bit about a bit more about him shortly. But here is the headline. Albanese must use Xi meeting to return us to the Howard Abbott golden age of Australia-China relations, uh, which is very uh, something we would love to see. He says, it feels like yesterday when uh, Prime Minister Tony Abbott hosted Chinese Premier Xi Jinping in 2014 for a state reception at Parliament House Canberra. In his address, Xi praised Australia's goodwill towards China. The fact that this friendship has since deteriorated with our largest trading partner is lamentable. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese's recent willingness to meet with Xi should be welcomed by both sides of politics. He's talking uh, domestically in Australia. Uh, he said a meeting of this nature is long overdue, which is very, very true. Now, this is the first time um, that Australian leaders have met, uh, I think, in person in six years. So, yeah, it is. it was long overdue. Um, he says, in recent years, there have been no shortage of quasi-apocalyptic warnings by commentators about China's emerging global assertiveness. Now, this is very true. Uh, people in Australia have a very, very warped idea of the relations between China and Australia and the threat that's posed, which is, the threat is literally nothing. But I remember uh, in the last couple of months, um, my mum messaged me online and said, is China really planning to invade Australia? And I was like, what the actual heck? So this is what they're being told uh, by the media. Um, and this hopefully will start to change uh, shortly. Uh, this is the key about it. I think the reason that uh, the relationship has soured to the point that it has is because Australia keeps um, sticking its beak into China's um, domestic private issues, which China has said all along is not welcome. China welcomes uh, win-win cooperation, mutual benefits. Um, but one of the key things uh, Chinese leaders have always said is, don't stick your beak into our business and we won't stick our beak into yours. So the issues that Sherry mentions are listed here. He says, we've been fixated on China's treatment of Uyghur minorities in Xinjiang. It's overreach, quote unquote, in Tibet, Hong Kong and Taiwan, as well as its handling of COVID-19. But finally, we're getting um, the other side of the coin, which isn't often uh, put across in Australian media. China insists there is no persecution of minorities. And I've done plenty of videos on that topic uh, on Xinjiang and the Uyghur people um, where, you know, basically we've debunked so many of the Western media lies about what's supposedly happening there. Um, so you can go and check those out. But basically, it's just not a thing, really. Uh Rather, it's only cracking down on Uyghur separatist terrorists affiliated with the East Turkestan Islamic Movement, ETIM. Now, this is very important. Um, and as he says here, the United States had ETIM listed as a terrorist organization from 2002 to 2020. So basically, the United States agreed that these Xinjiang separatists who were um, perpetrating a lot of terrorist attacks, a lot of violence, a lot of people were killed 
in China and in other parts of the world by these um, by this terrorist group, the USA agreed that they were terrorists. And then in 2020, they removed that classification for purely political reasons, which Sherry says here. The listing was only removed after the pandemic when relations with China began to deteriorate, intriguing in its own right. Now, I just want to tell you guys about some of the violence. Uh, in 2019, there was a huge incident across uh, in uh, Urumqi in Xinjiang, where basically, oh, you'd have to look it up yourself, but it, it, it was terrible. Also, back in Kunming in Yunnan province uh, in 2014, just weeks after I left, just weeks after I had been in that exact train station, um, these separatists killed 35 people, hacked them to death with machetes. Uh, so it was a terrible situation, and there have been no such terrorist attacks in China in the past five or more years. And that is thanks to China's cracking down on um, religious extremism, uh, these terrorist movements. But yeah, obviously, the United States removed ETIM from that list, based purely on politics. And here's another example. And this is talk, this talks about the issue with Hong Kong, because a lot of the Western countries were annoyed that China enacted the national security uh, legislation, uh, which was long needed. Um, and basically, he says here, Chinese intellectuals argue that if China had been the one to annex a strategically vital British port city, let's say Portsmouth, and turned it into a Chinese colony for 156 years, Britain would also be doing all it could to reintegrate the liberated territory back into its administrative architecture. That's how China sees Hong Kong, which is very true. The, uh, the British government basically stole Hong Kong after the opium wars, basically after they blasted uh, China open for refusing to buy their opium. They forced China to hand over Hong Kong, which uh, Britain then ran for 156 years. That was initially Chinese territory. So, of course, China is doing all it can today to bring that uh, territory back into its administrative architecture, as uh, he puts it. China maintains that the U.S. actively backed the Kuomintang Party during the Chinese Civil War because the American objective was to run an American-aligned vassal state, Taiwan, in the middle of the South China Sea. That's how China sees Taiwan an American puppet in China's maritime backyard. See, people could go, people in Australia could go and look up all these things and find out that what Sherry is saying is, is actually true. Yet the US would never, for instance, tolerate China backing Puerto Rican separatists and running a Chinese-aligned vassal state in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico in America's maritime backyard. Very true. All of these things that the West uh, ha- is doing and has been doing to China would never be tolerated in the reverse. And China is being very pragmatic, just asking people to mind their own business and stay out. And China would never want to do the same things, but people can't seem to see what it's like with the shoe on the other foot, as it were. And basically sums it up here. He says, let's face it, Australian governments since the Abbott era inserting themselves into Chinese domestic affairs has brought zero benefits to Australia. That is absolutely true. So you see what's happened in the, with the relations over the past nearly three years. Um, it's been devastating for Australia. Uh, so basically what they need to do is change the attack. And that is easy enough to do. All it takes is to stay out of China's domestic affairs. It's that simple. And then Sherry goes on to talk about uh, the argument that China is uh, using trade restrictions uh, as just as a way to be a bully, basically. And he throws that in the trash. Uh, he says, as we know from precedent set by the U.S., where economic leverage is available, 
it inevitably inevitably ends up being used in crunch situations. The US is literally the world leader when it comes to restricting free trade with countries whose governments upset the Americans. American-imposed sanctions even end up taking medical and pharmaceutical products away from those in need. This ultimately impacts ordinary citizens in target countries more greatly than their governments and big business. By comparison, if China wanted to cause Australian civilians grief just to be a bully, it would have sanctioned our commodities during the Abbott era. It never did. These trade restrictions came directly after the diminishing of goodwill when our politicians decided to weigh in on Chinese domestic affairs. And that is the crux of it, you guys. Now, I just want to quickly show you guys a bit about the author, Sherry Safi, who's a PhD. Um, he is obviously a contributor to Sky News. And if we go down to his about page under all his articles, um, he has an educational background in history, politics, international relations, philosophy, and information systems. He says here, and this is important, I have an insatiable thirst for learning about the world. And this is also key, this part here. He says, I'm interested in understanding people, seeing the world through their eyes, appreciating different languages, belief systems, and cultures, learning the way people view the past and interpret present realities. Now, this is key, you guys, because he's shown in his piece, basically, that uh, he's trying to look at the situation from the Chinese person's perspective, which is what we should be doing in all international relations. Try to see from the other side. That is the only way that uh, we can move forward with understanding, with clear understanding. And this is what, this is why international experience is, is so important. So basically, for example, for me, someone who's lived in China for around a decade now, um, you know, I can see things way more clearly now from both sides of the equation, which I think is, again, is just super important. Now, this, this whole thing about, um, getting in, involved in China's domestic affairs, always going along immorally. Every time a Western leader comes to China, they'll say, Oh, we need to talk about human rights, blah, 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 blah. It's just, it's a game, you guys, because if you see here, Australia, for example, just taking Australia as the example, is definitely no saint. If you see, there's a litany of uh, problems with Australia's human rights record up to this day. The rights of Indigenous peoples, refugees and asylum seekers continue to be violated. Proposed new legislation threatened to further entrench discrimination against LGBTI people. Government responses to sexual and gender-based violence against women remained inadequate. No one was held accountable for alleged war crimes committed by Australian troops in Afghanistan. And it just goes on. You can see a whole list here uh, of the details uh, of just some of the issues with Australia's human rights record. But you're not going to see China meeting with Australia and saying, first, before we move on, we need to talk about this, that, or the other thing. Because China's not interested in other countries' domestic affairs. But more importantly, Western countries are not interested in other Western countries' domestic affairs. So you'll never see, for example... Uh, New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern going to Australia to meet with Albanese and saying, but first we need to talk about how you're treating your Aboriginal people. The same the other way. You're not going to see anyone from Australia heading to Canada and saying, let's talk about uh, those Indigenous children that were found buried under a school recently. It just doesn't happen. So they turn a, bl they turn a blind eye to their own indiscretions, to their own hideous past and present when it comes to dealing with each other. And it's not an issue because they share a similar system. They share a similar language. If you look at, you know, Australia, New Zealand, uh, Canada, the US, all of these places are basically built off genocide of, of the genocide of indigenous peoples. So I find it extremely 
interesting that they like to bring up these issues when it comes to China. So you guys, as I said, I have a lot of videos、uh, on these issues, including、uh, Xinjiang. Uh, uh, Hong Kong, Taiwan, the Taiwan situation on my YouTube channel, which is、uh, reports on China.、Uh, here's one on Nancy Pelosi's visit. I've also done videos on here we go how Britain stole Hong Kong.、Uh, so there's a lot of very、uh, interesting videos you can look at if you haven't seen those already, which will tell you、uh, a lot about、uh, some of these double standards. Because basically, what's coming from the West, these accusations, a lot of it is just absolute baloney. So basically, what happens is these Western governments feel some kind of pressure from their voters or from the media or whatever big business to always lecture China on human rights,、uh, which they don't. Like I said before, they don't do when it comes to meeting、uh, their pals and their mates, which is just double standards.、Uh, so basically, all China is asking is stick your nose out of our internal affairs. Uh, and just back off, basically, and hopefully that will happen.、Uh, and as we saw with this article by Sherry, hopefully they're going to be moving in that direction、uh, fairly shortly, which will be awesome. Now, I just want to quickly show you guys a recent poll on reports on China on YouTube. I asked you guys regarding my last video, who came out on top? President Xi, Prime Minister Trudeau. It was a draw, or not sure. As you can see, the vast majority of people say that President Xi came out on top with 95%. We had about 4,000 votes. So thank you guys so much for taking part. Anyway, you guys, thank you so much for watching. That is it for today. I really want to know, as usual, what you guys think. Let me know down below. Also, don't forget to hit like and subscribe if you haven't already. And I will see you guys next time. Bye bye.